Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson, CEO of Bullet 360, welcoming everyone to today's webinar, The Rise of Premium Loyalty, What Do Your Customers Expect in 2020? Uh, today, we have the pleasure of having Carlos Dunlop Beard, who's the Vice President of Loyalty Solutions from Claris Commerce. Carlos is well-respected in the industry. I consider him a good friend. He's done some great work. I'm looking forward to the presentation. So uh, how are you today, Carlos? I'm great, Mark. Life is good to an old man. How about you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Good. Um, so just a few housekeeping notes before we get started today. Uh, we want to remind you that this, as well as other webinars we do at Loyalty360, we archive them. They'll be available on our site later. If you have any questions during the Q&A, sorry, during the presentation, uh, please forward them over to us in the, the Q&A uh, toolbox, and uh, we will post them or ask them, should I say, at the end. Uh, it's a very interesting topic, as uh, many People know people are looking for unique customer loyalty offerings and having a premium subscription program. And Claris is uh, the leader in this space. They do a, a good deal of amazing work. It's kind of their, their heritage and foundation. So if you have questions, send them over. We'll address them at the end. And with that, I'll turn it over to Carlos. All right. Thanks, Mark. And hello, everybody. Um, I'm excited to be here today uh, to share the findings of this data study with you. Um, so um, I'll jump on in. Um, you know, I do appreciate you joining us because uh, the Walker Sands Claris Commerce uh, collaboration on this this 2020 data study uh, was was we were looking to find out what customers expect, you know, from premium loyalty um, and how retailers and other brands can adapt accordingly uh, to retain valuable customers, grow their loyalty, and in, in some of the most turbulent times most of us have ever seen. And, and unfortunately, that, that's not hyperbole. But we're in a positive and dynamic hour right now, okay? And uh, we hope that you find it a valuable use of your time. So as I said, let's, you know, let's, let's get on with it. So here, here's how I plan to progress through today. I'm gonna give you a little bit on Claris, you know, just a slide, uh, very little. Uh, but I do wanna spend a little time grounding us on premium loyalty, what it is, and then get into the data study itself, the background, how we did it, uh, what we found out of it, and then what are the insights and implications? I'm gonna kind of weave that throughout the story, not necessarily wait for you, you know, make you wait for it to the end. Um, so uh, then of course, we'll, we'll have some time for Q&A, hopefully there's some, some Q and hopefully I've got some, you know, some answers. Um, so, um, so before we get into the, the meat of it, <clears throat> you know, and I'd like to ground you on a couple of things. Like, what is this Claris Commerce Company and why is this bozo here talking to me about this thing called, called premium loyalty, right? So uh, first things first, uh, Claris is, is the premium loyalty company. Um, as Mark said, this is what we do and, and we think we do it fairly well. Uh, we've been doing it for the past 20 years with uh, more than 70 branded uh, programs that are currently live in the marketplace today. And, and we're very fortunate that our clients seem to like us and they seem to really appreciate how we drive um, incremental revenues for the organizations and engagement with their customers. And having been at a half dozen loyalty companies uh, in my more than 20 years you know, in this business, Claris' success stems from the inside out in a way in which we treat our clients, 
and their best customers, as well as from the top down, as our leadership team has established an amazing culture that, that permeates the entire organization. And I'm not just, I'm not just drinking the Kool-Aid here. As I said, I've, I've been around for quite a while, uh, six different loyalty companies, uh, you know, 55 years old. I've been in corporate America for three decades plus. So, you know, I, and I got to tell you, I've never worked at a better place. And, and some of those rewards, you know, awards at the bottom kind of speak to that. Uh, and I'm not alone in, in thinking that. But it's not so much about what we say about ourselves, because uh, everybody can kind of hype themselves or make themselves seem so awesome, you know. But, but the truth comes in how the industry looks at us, how those who are kind of watchdogs of loyalty marketing or consumer uh, engagement or just consumer advocates uh, or just business policy, right? These publications uh, have posted a lot about us, about premium loyalty, about customer, lo you know, customer loyalty and engagement, about trends and everything else. So, uh, and our friends, you know, Loyalty 360 are right, or, you know, they're right there in the mix. You know, we really appreciate this relationship. So, um, so again, it's with, with humility, it's not really what we say, it's, it's you know, we kind of want to make a difference for others. Um, so with that said, let's, let's get on with the show. So why is premium loyalty so hot right now? I mean, why does it matter so much at this point? I mean, well, we look at it, there, there are three big trends that are driving uh, the premium loyalty push. You know, one is consumers have options. They like options and they want them to be available. Even, even if they don't plan on using them, they want them. You know, they want to know that they could use them if they wanted to, even though they never will, but they don't want you to take them away, all right? Uh, plus, with the ubiquity of points-based loyalty programs, uh, to, to significantly stand out, brands need to differentiate. I mean, offer something that's unique from others in their category. Uh, and and the, the, the other thing is that expectations have shifted to, immediately, to, to immediate rewards, that is, uh, immediate benefits. Uh, without having to wait the traditional six to eight months of purchasing and engaging with a brand in order to achieve, uh, you know, that first reward. I mean, consumers, they don't, they don't want to play that game anymore. Plus, they've demonstrated their willingness to pay to get those immediate rewards and benefits um, and that instant gratification. I mean, this willingness to invest in more gratifying services and benefits is, you know, in our opinion, anyway, it's evident of the rocket ship type trajectory of subscription services. But we'll we'll get to more on that later. And Carlos, real quick, I mean, one mm -hmm. of the things that we've seen from our membership during this time is that uh, there is an interest uh, in, in kind of premium programs. They're looking for ways to differentiate their offering. They're looking for ways to engage kind of a, a smaller group, potentially in, in a unique manner, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think premium programs have been around for a while, uh, but as an association, we've seen more interest, at least I've seen more interest in the last few months, of potentially it's a new option for them, ways to either you know, run it beside their current offering, kind of in a kind of mm -hmm. a differentiating manner, or a way to potentially to replace the the old system. And it, it's definitely more so than I've seen uh, in in the last couple of years. So it's good to see that. Yeah, I, I agree, Mark. It, it's um, you know, differentiation, good uh, augmentation, good. You know, being able to meet the demands of consumers, obviously good. And um, we, you know, we absolutely agree with that assessment of the fact that it doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know, one or the other. 
It can be, you know, a combination. And, and the key is to find out what that right combination is because with the data that we're going to go through uh, is going to show that consumers are willing to pay for a better experience. Not all of them. Don't misunderstand. This isn't for everyone. And we'll right. talk about that a little bit. So, so what does all this have to do with this sweet, sweet discipline of loyalty marketing that I love so much and obviously can't get away from? Um, you know, for instance, loyalty marketing, you know, that, that's designed to appeal to consumers, drive them closer to brands, uh, means that loyalty marketing goals, strategies, and tactics need to evolve to keep pace with, with the demands. You know, the demands of this changing landscape, this changing environment, the changing, you know, the changing demands of consumers. Fortunately for us, technology continues to advance along with those changing demands uh, and allows us to keep up, you know, for the most part. And, and as we all know, nothing makes us evolve faster than disruptive, often volatile events, such as a financial crisis or a global pandemic. You know, uh, and the vast majority of us are doing things differently in most every aspect of our lives right now. And I'm certainly not saying that that the coronavirus is a good thing, certainly not. Um, but we can't deny its effects on consumer behaviors or, or the corresponding impact on businesses who have had to, to make some dramatic and, and rapid transitions in order to, to stay relevant uh, in the, situa in the situation we, we currently find ourselves in. So all these elements are mandating that we think about loyalty differently, especially since 64% of um, respondents in, in our data study say it's even harder to maintain their loyalty than it ever was before. You know, so that's yeah, it's, it's a pretty big deal. So what does embracing this new expectations of, of loyalty marketing look like? Well, it, it looks like it's immediate, it's, it's positive, reciprocal, meaningful, authentic, engaging, compassionate, you know, a lot of things. And it, it's as much about the member in their environment and their community as it is about the brand. Uh, so fortunately, for those looking to meet the demands of this evolved marketplace, premium loyalty is primed to help retailers and brands meet that challenge. So Claris defines premium loyalty as, as um, enhanced and superior benefits for consumers while delivering immediate revenues and, and financial impact for brands. I mean, it's, I know that says a lot and it looks like it even promises a lot, but that's how we look at it. I mean, we look at what are we trying to do here? We're trying to, trying to deliver some immediacy for both the consumer and the brand. And we're trying to ensure that the way in which we do it, the way in which we structure, uh, the way in which we have figured out how to monetize and optimize the premium loyalty approach um, doesn't cost the brand uh, you know, a ton of money, and we can talk about financials maybe in the Q and A section. So, but I'm really here to talk about the data study, and and but it also has to be something that's meaningful and immediate for consumers, and and it's tough to do in the traditional kind of free program because all the money usually goes towards the implementation, ongoing program management fees, uh, tech fees, rewards, and all those things. Wow. So that was a lot of preamble. I get it. 
you know, I did a lot of lead up, but I, I really thought it was important that we understand what we were talking about here today. So let's finally get into the findings of the study. So before we talk about the first, the, I guess I already introduced one data point, the second data point or any other data points, let's first talk about how we got here. What is the methodology? So the, um, we did this study with Walker Sands uh, in February of this year. Uh, it was online only. Uh, the participants were uh, required to at least be familiar with uh, the concept of loyalty or rewards programs. Right, we, they can't say I have no idea what you're talking about and then answer the question. So we were able to filter out those who didn't. Uh, we got 2,500 consumers to fully participate, which was our goal. Um, and the respondents' ages were from 18 to greater than 75, with the with the biggest focus, the 65% of them being in the 24 to 39 and 40 to 55 uh, age categories. So um, we, we were really fortunate. To, to have so many consumers who are eager to tell us their story and, and share their experiences, as well as share their desires. I mean, we got a ton of feedback and insights uh, that, are, that are laid out in the actual data study. So if you haven't downloaded it yet, uh, uh, please do. Um, we, we think you'll find it um, a good use of your time. But for the purposes of, of, of what we have and what we're trying to do here today, I bucketed some of those findings under three major themes experience, value, and time. And not necessarily maybe in the traditional way we think about all of those things, but those are the, the buckets, experience, value, and time. And that's the, the themes we'll, we'll I'll carry through over the next few slides. So, um, experience. <clears throat> Consumers want a better experience. They're willing to invest in it. Uh, and you think about what that means. They're willing to invest. I mean, just like if we, we invest in a business or in the market, or in a conference even that we attend, uh, we expect to get something in return for that investment. And, and as it turns out, consumers investing in a loyalty program, they're really no different. In fact, uh, two thirds of respondents are already enrolled in a premium loyalty program. I mean, that's wild. I mean, I, I guess I should have anticipated it because last year, 58% in our 2019 data study said they were already enrolled in a premium loyalty program. But the fact that, you know, as Mark mentioned, uh, some of his partners members uh, within the Loyalty 360 organization are asking about this. Um, they're asking about it because consumers are asking about it. Consumers are wanting it. Um, so the, the concept of- Question, ahead, Mark, I'm sorry. Uh -huh. Premium loyalty program as, as it gains traction, is there still a challenge with regard to kind of how it's understood, what it means? You know, you have subscription, you have premium, you have paid programs. There, there's several different monikers out there uh, that that exist. Is there a challenge with regard to kind of having those different definitions, or or is it all kind of amalgamating around one uh, shared definition? Yeah. I can't be bold enough to say it's all coming around one shared definition because ours may be different than others. Uh, but what I can say is that they are similar. They're like cousins in a sense. Subscriptions are, are um, um, on-demand services or, or you know, or um, or premium loyalty programs. I mean, they're they they're cousins in a way. They're they're basically saying consumers are saying I'm willing to pay a fee to get what I want and to get what I want um, in the manner in which I want it. Uh, and, and they're willing to make that investment because it's that important to them to have that relationship or to have that service. 
you know so um it's um it it does beg the question though is why are why are consumers willing to do this what what's going on in the world um you know how do we even know that that consumers in our data study didn't just say what we wanted to hear or just answer in a way they thought they should answer you know or state an intent without really uh planning to to follow through well consider the the proliferation of, of streaming services and subscription services and, and i'm not saying that all of these are actually loyalty programs um but it does indicate consumers willingness to invest in, in programs and brands and services they that they value and those services and brands that provide them with a superior experience i mean you look at, at who who amongst these logos are or loyalty programs you would look at uh, lululemon shop hq gamestop wayfair bob stores i mean lululemon i mean they've made the, the program kind of really a part of their brand now because their brand is all about lifestyle healthy lifestyle um promoting confidence um and and they are continually adding services i mean their program is only about a year old now and they and they i think they just acquired mirror as well and I can't wait to see what they do and how they incorporate that, not just into the program, but into their overall brand, because they, they're definitely on the right track with understanding that delivering a superior experience is a, is a big deal. And their program's not cheap. It's like you know, 128 bucks a, a year, I think. So, um, but for people who really believe in the brand and the lifestyle, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer, especially when you get a, you know, a, a free item that's about equal price just for signing up. Um, you know, we look at GameStop a year ago now, GameStop was uh, evaluating their program and they were even looking at, um, they were looking at and actually doing away with the premium loyalty element of it, uh, thinking that maybe consumers didn't want it anymore. And they went through an entire like uh, review of their loyalty program. And when they relaunched it earlier this year, they had the, the premium loyalty element plus other considerations and, and assets um, right back in there because they knew that there were a certain categories, certain segments of their members who wanted a better relationship with GameStop, who wanted more inside information, who wanted quicker access to things, who wanted special events, and, and they were willing to invest in it. So to us, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty good tale of, of where the, um, the industry is headed. So this proliferation of subscription services is absolutely a meaningful indicator as to the rise in acceptance of premium loyalty programs. Why would someone reconsider that? Just with, with all the benefits they see or the competitors may be kind of rolling out a similar program or the success of the, the programs you talked about, Lululemon and uh, kind of Wayfair and the others, what would make an organization or an entity kind of reconsider the fact of, you know, that they, they didn't want to do, it, but now they want to do it. What, what would bring that about? Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't, speak to why they did it. I think they just wanted to do something different because GameStop's program has been around for a while and they've, they've but it, it, maybe they thought it had grown, gone stale and they thought, hey, we can do something new, fresh uh, and, and, and awesome, but not charge a fee for it. Um, so I can't really speak to that. I just know that uh, I was on a panel last year with uh, one of the um, executives at GameStop who spoke to this and it's, so it's kind of public knowledge in a sense. But um, why the actual why i don't know but here's what I, I think probably happened and this is just me thinking but again i 
I got a few years on me to understand how things go. The um, to say you want to offer superior benefits and and access and all in these wonderful better than average type rewards, um, it's tough to do if you have to finance all of it. If the brand has to finance all of it plus the platform plus the ongoing management plus plus plus, well that gets expensive. That's a that's a big outlay of cash. So the one the one of the benefits of a, of a premium or subscription type approach is it does offer you some money that allows you to do things and do it bigger and better than you could ever do it if it, if it was just all funded by the brand. So I think reality may have set in and, and, and plus I'm sure they surveyed and they tested. I think you said they had multiple tests in multiple markets that consumers probably responded in a way that said, don't take this away from us. That's, okay. that's kind of how I look at it. Okay, great. And I just realized I'm looking up and left when I'm talking to you because your picture's up here, but the camera's right here. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, due to the, uh, to the superior value of, of premium loyalty, that's usually uh, a minimum equivalent of something akin to like 10% um, cash back or 10% value proposition based on spend. Plus other benefits like free shipping, VIP customer service, partner rewards, special promotions, uh, member-only events, and, and more stuff like that. You know, a well-run premium loyalty program usually produces an, an army of advocates and evangelists. I mean, can, look at this stat. I mean, nine out of 10 people in premium loyalty programs are likely to recommend that brand to family and friends. I mean, which brand wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't kill or for, for that, that, those kind of results? I mean, that's powerful. And it's the result of a superior uh, and differentiated value prop and overall experience with the brands. I mean, really, that's that's kind of the holy grail. I mean, there's a company that kind of made their living on that one question. Would you recommend us to a family or friend, you know, to family or friend, you know, and that one score kind of says it all. I don't necessarily subscribe to that theory, right. but I do understand that it's a big deal. Okay, great. So let's talk about value. So we talked about experience a little bit. So let's, now let's talk about value. So the thing about premium loyalty is it, it needs to go beyond points, sales, routine discounts, you know, things that you just offer to the general public. I mean, the, one of the biggest areas that brands miss is they, they put the same sales, the same, you know, 10% off, 20% off your next purchase or, you know, you know, whatever it might be, here's our clearance stuff. They put the same stuff in the program that they put out to the general consumer that they send, a, you know, a million emails to, you know, per week. I mean, that that's not cool. I mean, if someone signs up and raises their hand in your loyalty program and says, I'm willing to allow you to track my purchases, track everything I do, give you additional information, you've got you've to give them something different and better than, than the general public can get. So, all that said, the value, um, in, in a premium loyalty program needs to be so abundantly clear because now we're not just saying you're in a program, but we're charging you a fee to be in this program. So it's gotta be so clear, so compelling that it becomes a no brainer uh, decision because people will do the math. They'll, they'll do the, the quick calculations and say, will I shop at this brand enough to make this a worthwhile you know, uh, proposition for me? Uh, and it can't be that difficult for them to make the, uh, 
to do the calculations or make the decision. Otherwise, the decision is going to be no. Uh, so compelling is, is the key here. And it's the, it's the key because 70% of consumers who aren't already in a premium loyalty program said they joined one if it was offered by their favorite retailer. And this is important. And the benefits were of sufficient value. I mean, you think about that. Consumers are saying they're willing to invest in a more meaningful relationship uh, with, with the brands they admire as long as they receive something of value in return. I mean, to me, that's the epitome of them putting their money where their mouth is. For those wondering if, if you're in a good retail sector, because uh, a lot of this was focused on retail. Um, if you're in a good retail sector for premium loyalty, here's here's where those interested in joining a premium loyalty program will look into place their investment. Um, every, everyday categories like grocery and gas show well, as does health and beauty. Um, since this program, since this, this study rather was, was done in February, obviously prior to the lockdown and, and all the other things uh, that we've, we've had to go through over the last four or five months, uh, seems like last four or five years. I, I wonder if, if clothes and accessories, you know, entertainment, travel and hospitality, you know, and furniture, those kinds of things. I wonder if they, they may not show so well if we redid the study tomorrow. But, but that's not to say that those categories won't rebound. Uh, once, once the pandemic fades and it's not a central day-to-day kind of -day, uh, part of our lives, um, what, if, what, if, what we know historically about, about consumers uh, and their behavior is that although it may be rocked by current events, I mean, people are usually anxious to get back to their normal lives and, and pick up where they left off. Uh, what we're facing today may be different. Uh, we may get, you know, we may get closer to normal. It'll, it'll be a new normal. Um, but, you know, what we know is that we're going to retain a lot of our old habits and then maybe pick up some new behaviors along the way. And that's okay. Well, I think one of the things, too, that we've seen as well, you know, as we've talked to the brands that are members of Lord 360, I think one of the biggest challenges they saw was flexibility in being able to add new reward program or kind of uh, new pro program products, even from being able to redeem uh, for dollars off their, their bill, right? If they have a telco or they have an ISP that they want to, maybe that was something they enabled or having a, a charitable contribution. So I think even though some of that may change, I think some, the flexibility your system enables to empower that really helps as well because uh, I think there has been a lot of uh, consternation that has arisen through COVID-19 and they've seen some of the challenges in some of the kind of legacy players or the platforms they have at least that haven't allowed them the flexibility that they wanted. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is tough. So absolutely choosing a, a, a good partner, the right partner is, is certainly important. Um, and, you know, a partner that has some some flexibility in our platform that can add elements along the way that may even push brands or, or certainly be proactive with brands on changes they should make without the brands having to come up with all the ideas. After all, you know, people like us, at least, you know, people I, you know, Clarice and our competitive set, you know, we are the loyalty experts, so to speak. So that's that's um, that's that's really important. What, what's, what's tough though is getting hit with uh, change order fees. You know, when you're, you know, as a, as a brand or a retailer, you know, chances are, unless you're one of the big boys, 
uh, you know, unless you're a Walmart, Amazon, or Target kind of thing, you may have had a bad first half of the year. You know, we already know that many did because we, we see all the, the filings and such and restructurings. Um, so to have to, to, be, um, to be punished, so to speak, for wanting to make a change, a positive change that helps you keep your customers and, and, um, and, and, and provide more value in your programs is, is really problematic. Um, so, you know, as, as you know, loyalty service providers uh, to all of my competitors or, or, uh, who are on this call, and we, we've got to think about ways we can do better to help our, our, our clients uh, navigate through this time, recover quicker, and, and you know, if all, if all possible, uh, make hay for this holiday season and recover some of the lost revenues in the first half of the year. I mean, that's, that's just my little off the cuff little request. So, um, so um, anyway, um, on with the show. Um, so, so why is premium loyalty, you know, why is this stuff so important? Uh, well, that's because 88% of respondents are likely to choose a retailer whose premium loyalty program they belong to over a competitor that's offering a competitor rather that's offering a lower price. I mean, can you imagine the ability to resist those kinds of competitive threats? I mean, while maintaining your margins. I mean, that's huge. I mean, you don't have to lower your margins. You don't have to do a price match guarantee. You don't have to, you know, do a, you know do big sales to premium loyalty members. I mean, they're they're getting a heck of a value by being a member of the program. You know, whatever that value proposition is of a 10%, 5%, 15%, sometimes 20, you know, whatever it might be. So they're getting their rewards plus all the other benefits, status, exclusivity, all those things. So to them, it, it's not as important as, you know, that you're the everyday low price leader. Um, so that's that's important. And, and what's, again, what this stat is saying is that if you have a, a loyalty program, a premium loyalty program and engaged members, they're not going anywhere no matter what your, your uh, competitors are, are trying to throw at them to entice them away. So another, another significant finding is uh, two thirds of consumers are willing to try out a premium loyalty program tier if, if they're already enrolled in a traditional loyalty program, you know, traditional free program. This is one of the points you brought up earlier, Mark. So, um, so if they if they love it, they love the premium tier, they stay in it, you know, with this significantly, you know, enhanced value proposition and rewards and everything else, right? Uh, but if not, they can drop back to the traditional free program. So there's no nothing lost there. And and that's okay because premium loyalty isn't for it's not for all consumers any more than it's for all brands, right? I mean, regardless of regardless of 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 how we want to position it, it can't be all things to all people, all brands, all consumers. That's not how it works. Um, but regardless, it, it's a winning proposition for the brands who desire to really differentiate, as well as for consumers who want a better experience with their favorite brands. So we've we've talked about um, experience and value. Now let's dive into the third. Uh, significant theme that emerged from the, the 2020 data study, and that's time. And I'm going to think about time a little bit differently here. So there are two components to time. One is 
provide convenience, make it efficient, reduce the friction, to add time back into the consumer's life, right? And, and then secondarily, provide her with timely and immediate rewards. Don't, don't make her shop with you for six to eight months before receiving anything relevant. I mean, that's, that's not cool. I mean, many of today's consumers, they're gonna opt out of that kind of long suffering exercise because they know there's a better way and they think and, and rightfully so that they deserve better treatment than that. So everyone's talking about uh, these days uh, as I listen to podcasts or read articles or attend webinars, you know, they're talking about experiential benefits, you know, even emotional loyalty, you know, and, and sometimes I think maybe we forget that, that this transactional stuff is actually important too. You know, it's, it's, there's a balance there. I mean, none of us really get bonuses or, you know, get a awesome performance review based on, a, you know, providing a few good experiences. You know, we get bonus based on dollars that flow and, and the financial impact that, that we have in our roles. Um, so, Transactional and experiential are both emotional, in, in my opinion. I mean, if consumers feel that they get great value or a memorable encounter and it was a good use of their time and money, it's emotional. It's emotional. So, so what rewards do consumers desire most uh, in a premium loyalty program? Um, well, those that are, I guess, instant uh, and uh, meaningful and positive. Um, you know, they seem, you know, that even though they might seem like a commodity, I mean, you can see that free shipping, instant discounts, free giveaways, faster shipping um, are things that motivate consumers most. Plus, you know, surprising delight rewards are certainly, you know, capture their attention. You know, everyone loves a little surprise, uh, positive surprise anyway. Um, uh, prior to these results, though, I, I would have expected like personalized offers, you know, exclusive deals and events to kind of top the charts here. And, and I guess I just like to dream big. I mean, I'm a strategist. I'm always thinking kind of bigger, better. How do we get to the top of something? Um, you know, and, and I, I think, you know, probably selfishly, I think I also need to be celebrated at all times, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, isn't it about me in the meantime? Um, but, you know, but the, but the truth is that, um, <clears throat> you know, consumers want certain things. Uh, and they're not always flashy, but they are meaningful. I mean, I mean, even in this time that we're in, um, you know, sometimes things don't come as quickly as we would like. I mean, I ordered some cookies from a vegan cookie place, Maya's Cookies, uh, back on July 3rd, and uh, they have, they arrived tomorrow. I'm kind of beside myself. I'm like, what the heck? I mean, it's a small operation and everything else, and I did it for the right reasons, but uh send some to my girls as well in their various homes uh but you know two weeks to get something wow i mean that's just unheard of but it's not just Maya's cookie there's nothing bad against Maya's cookies because I, I love their operation and what they what they stand for but there's um you know amazon is slower on things you know walmart slower on things a lot of people are slower on on delivering things these days so free shipping and all that stuff is and faster shipping, those those things, they're, they're really a big deal. So staying with the uh, with the time theme, uh, in addition to helping achieve uh, a great number 
of business objectives like improved frequency, you know, AOV, CLV, better customer relationships, improved brand affinity, and you know those kinds of things. You know, um, it appears that almost nine and a half out of, of ten premium loyalty members also state that they shop at the brand offering the program at least once per month. I mean, that's that's huge. I mean, that to shop somewhere once per month. I mean, that, that doesn't happen in a lot of different lot of categories. So it's you know, so that helps in a couple of ways. If we want to continue thinking about time. Uh, premium loyalty provides a faster path to capturing incremental revenue. If they're shopping more often, then that's driving more revenues quicker than not shopping more often. Um, and unless you're already seeing an average of one shopping trip per month, a, a premium loyalty program can certainly reduce the time between visits, uh, you know, reduce that latency, which of course improves time. So those are, again, those are, those are big deals uh, when it comes to, to, uh, to premium loyalty and, and, and really its ability to, to, um, to affect consumer behavior. Again, this is a consumer saying this, this is not us, you know, Clarice Commerce saying this. However, you might also interpret this that you know the key uh, takeaway that um, premium loyalty programs um, keep members engaged. Uh, they are they are a point of differentiation, and 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 um, and if even if um, even if you're kind of at a neck and neck tie with a competitor, maybe it's also a, a difference making. Uh, it's a tie breaking uh, mechanism. Uh, to get a, a new and acquire a new customer uh, quicker than uh, if you didn't have a, a program to offer at all. So um, let's let's take this home now. Let's talk about um, the fact that premium loyalty is is definitely on the rise. As as Mark mentioned, uh, there was a um, a podcast that came out uh, last night. I got a notification. Um, oh man, now I'm starting to can't remember. But it was talking about subscription and premium programs, and in fact, they're on the rise and when, and what's happening there. So uh, Mark and I had a, a Q and A session uh, about a month ago where we talked about it uh, in depth on, on what's happening and in trends and those things and, and the impacts. And uh, so it's. Premium loyalty is, is definitely on the on the rise, and and um, and it, it allows uh, the brands to provide a better experience and it's a, in that superior value proposition that I've talked about quite often, and 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 those rewards can be issued immediately and ongoing to consumers to reinforce their decision to actually actually uh, be a part of that brand and to be a part of that brand's program. Um, so. With, with those things, it's certainly a win-win scenario in terms of um, immediate and positive and enhanced benefits for consumers and, um, and correspondingly, uh, immediate incremental revenue for, for brands. So what is the 2020 uh, data study telling us, you know, it's telling us, you know, like I said, that the higher loyal, higher level of loyalty marketing is required to move your program and brand forward. So, so give your customers the, the premium loyalty that they deserve and, and be ready to track that incrementality that, that comes from that. I mean, um, the landscape is changing. I mean, 
we can choose to to ride it out and, and hope for the best, but it's not always a good strategy, or begin working on providing something better. And the truth is, if we want better for our brand, uh, we're going to have to do better for our consumer. And for those concerned that maybe uh, the, the premium loyalty uh, ship has sailed, um, know, know that it's not too late. Um, of the consumers who are already in a premium loyalty program, 69% plan to join more premium loyalty programs within the next year. Um, once they understand and, and experience the real value of premium loyalty and, and what it has to offer and, and how that better relationship with the brand works, of course they're gonna look to establish that sort of relationship with another brand that they admire. You know, so as a retailer or a brand, I mean, do you want to wait for the for the rest of your industry to see, you know, to get let them get ahead or see what they do, or should you think about maybe capitalizing on that that first mover advantage, or at least being a trendsetter? Um, obviously, that that's a question that each brand and each each um, marketing executive or CEO is going to have to answer for themselves or for their organization. So. Um, at this point, um, I'll, I'll turn the reins back over to Mark um, and, uh, and you know, who will hopefully guide us, not hopefully, who will artfully guide us through uh, uh, the, the Q&A session. Okay, great. We have a, a few questions uh, that have come through and uh, uh, thank you for the presentation. It's very interesting to kind of hear what you're seeing. Uh, I think the interest in, in premium loyalty programs, as we mentioned, is definitely there, it's definitely growing. But the how-to, especially kind of the transition, I think is something that is, is very important. Um, and that kind of begs the first question, you know, what prevents brands with a free loyalty program to offer some of these enhanced benefits? Yeah, um, the, the short answer is, it just, it doesn't work financially. I mean, I talked a little bit about this earlier. Um, you know, to if you think about say a moderate size uh, retailer, maybe 120 locations re online, um, that to get a program in market, it's going to be an investment of at least a half million dollars. It could be as high as a million dollars. And then to operate that monthly, it's going to be with a combination of platform fees and per member fees and program management fees and anything else, it's going to be, you know, 50, 75, $100,000. So say a half million dollars to implement, a million dollars a year to operate. What, you know, and plus, now you also have to pay for the rewards. And the rewards are usually, in that case, a 1%, 2%, maybe sometimes a 3% kind of value proposition. You know, spend a dollar, get a point, spend a dollar, get three points, you know, and depending on how you evaluate the points. You know, so you're already in for a million and a half. I mean, how much do you have to spare for rewards? So the, the financials don't work uh, without the, the supplementation and really the, the, the program member fees really boring. You know, they, they will bear the entire, uh, not the entire, but they actually probably will bear the entire um, uh, cost of, of a platform and rewards. So it, again, it's, it's about the financials and, and we do want to drive engagement, we do want to drive experiences and drive loyalty, but the financials also have to work. 
Okay. Well, you've talked about this a number of times, kind of the superior benefits and in the immediate revenue. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you action that? A lot of, a couple people have asked about that. When, when I have a premium program, how do I action on that? How do I get those uh, superior benefits and the, the kind of immediate revenue and, and, and then what do I do with it? Yeah. Um, so it's, if, if um, okay. Well, how you action on it is, is, is all about the acquisition tool in a sense. How do you get, how, what, it, what, what gives, what is the offer basically? Ooh, I know my words can work sometimes. What is the offer to get members into the program? And that offer is usually has to be significant. Whether it's uh, $10 off or $20 off this order you just placed or free shipping or if you're doing it online or, 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 or you know, 20, you know, here's a gift certificate or a gift card for your, your next, you know, transaction, in-store transaction or online transaction. It has to be something of value that they say, man, if, I, if I'm going to get this, this is going to pay for my first month's fee, you know. Um, and then if, my, if I'm going to get 10% back on every purchase I make going forward and I get uh, to go to VIP, a VIP line in store or VIP customer service if I call, and if I get free shipping if I order anything online, and I, I get to come to events uh, that other people can't come to after hours or when the store is closed, you know, and and and, and oh, and I get an extended warranty um, or return policy. You know, it's not just 30 days; I get 60 days. I mean, all those things kind of add up. Plus, you can add other elements in there like you know, some kind of uh, retail network where they can shop at other retailers and get cash back. So you put all those things in there and the value proposition is so abundant that it it's, it just makes sense for consumers. I mean, for some consumers, again, not all are going to pay, but for the brand, that's all that those fees and everything else means you don't have to pay out all those costs I talked about, I talked about earlier with traditional programs that have million dollar implementation, million dollars a year. That that those the the member fees cover that and the brand doesn't have to take doesn't have to pay for that. So that's one, it's immediate savings, it doesn't bust the budget. And two, there's also the option of the brand taking a percentage, a small percentage of that member fee for operating income. Now the the, the balance there is kind of delicate, um, but it's it's uh fortunately for us, we've been doing this for quite a while. And we're kind of experts at, at monetizing, you know, um, premium programs. That's awesome. And what are your your thoughts around? Uh, I had a question around uh, kind of fatigue around premium subscription programs. Is that something you're seeing? And or how do you do that? How how do you manage that fatigue that exists? And 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 from best practice perspective. Yeah. Um, I mean, fatigue does happen uh, in certain respects, but I don't think we have a subscription fatigue right now. I think individuals may be, certain individuals may get tired of certain services, certain subscriptions. I mean, my wife, uh, she's still hanging on the Stitch Fix, but I can see that she sends back more than she keeps these days. So maybe it's because, you know, got nowhere to go. So, so maybe she's figuring out I don't need clothes. But, um, you know, but, you know, but doesn't mean she's not still doing Birch Box and doing other things. You know, um, I, you know, I have Amazon Prime, so I have Prime Video, I have Netflix. I refused to buy Disney Plus, so the girls went in and they decided they were gonna buy Disney Plus, so I just used theirs. You know, so there's always new services, new things, and and 
people are making choices. And sometimes if something new and better comes along, you know, that offers you a similar kind of benefit plus, you know, Peacock just launched, Quibi. I mean, you got stuff all over the place. Sometimes there's an abundance of choice. So I don't know if it's fatigue as much as options. Um, but here's what I will say. When people say may say that about a subscription program, you think about a traditional free loyalty program, I mean, people are in 20 plus programs these days. I mean, more than that probably now, especially when you add on subscription and other things. And they're really still active only in about six programs, maybe eight on the outside. So there's a lot of, so when you talk about fatigue in, in traditional type loyalty programs, uh, at least half of the members are kind of dormant. They don't really do much. Um, so it's, it's no different really. It's just, I guess there's more heightened awareness because members, consumers are paying a fee uh, for the program as opposed to uh, getting it for free. Okay, interesting. So when you look at um, kind of, if you're a retailer, um, how do you know, or how do you gauge the interest of, of a premium loyalty program? Is it that retail is, is kind of a hotbed for these, that there's kind of best practices you can glean from what you've done in the past? If a retailer, you know, how do you evaluate the opportunity uh, from maybe an interest or an ROI perspective or both? Yeah, um, well, it has a lot to do with the passion of, of the, the, the consumers have for the brand, has a lot to do with frequency of, of purchase, as well as overall like total uh, transactions, unique transactions or, or total transactions that a brand may have. I mean, there are things we look at for to determine whether or not, you know, a premium program is right for a specific brand or retailer. Um, you know, the, um, the, the thing about premium is you don't have to, like anything else, you don't have to jump in, you don't have to jump totally, you know, in like both feet, I'm all in, I'm diving head first. You can dip a toe in the water. You can try to figure it out. Um, you know, but what our, our data study has shown is that consumers, one, you know, two thirds already in a program. Those who aren't in a program, 70% said they're, they're willing to join a program. Um, and if like, I think what was it, 64% or whatever the number was of people who are in a program said they will join another program at some point if they can find a brand that's offering them a premium program they find valuable enough. So we're, we're nowhere near concerned about um, whether consumers are, you know, are, are going back to the earlier question, fatigued on it. We know that they want it. It's just a matter of we've got to give them, we got to do better and give consumers more of what they want. Uh, and, and that's possible. We absolutely believe that's possible. Okay. Well, a question that has come up as uh, is, is we're rolling out our first industry report on customer loyalty. Transition time is huge, right? It, it's, a, it's a big concern. We had someone uh, ask if, if they were interested in a premium loyalty program, it, it, how long does it take? And could they get something up by the holidays uh, if they were to kind of move things over? What's a transition program or tra kind of getting something up and running mm -hmm. uh, from a time perspective look like? Yeah, um, well, we've got a track record uh, of getting programs up and running in 90 days uh, at, at Claris, and that's, that's pretty fast. I mean, again, if I, going back to the example, I talked about a mid-sized retailer, 120 locations, um, the traditional model, that's, that's a six-month, at least six-month to nine-month implementation. You go with a big boy like a CVS or Walgreens, you're talking about a year of implementation. So it takes a while. So the way in which we do it and the way our system is modularized and, and everything else, it, it allows us to get programs up and running in 90 days. So 
if I, and I can't speak to all my competitors and I don't know what their timelines are. Some are, you know, some might be better. Some, you know, some might be worse. I, I don't know specifically, but what I do know is that it's possible at this point, probably now through making a decision by end of August, early September, whatever it might be to do something uh, in time to impact uh, the holidays. And that's, and that's important. I think a lot of brands are trying to figure out what do we do besides, you know, sales, sale, you know, 40% off, 50% off, you know, sales. Uh, what do we do to really impact our holidays and try to recoup some revenues we lost uh, in the early part of this year? Okay. Uh, great. Well, I think this has been a, a very interesting discussion. I know there's a couple other questions we won't have the time to get to, but we'll make sure we get back to those people as well. Uh, some additional questions just came through. We'll get back to them. Uh, any last thoughts, Carlos, on the study? Just maybe one piece of simple advice that you would uh, recommend to those who are considering a premium loyalty program? Yeah. Um, actually, I hadn't thought about that part, <laughs> but I will say that there, uh, one, two things. One, read the study. I mean, read the study, and if you if you want to challenge the results or you want to enter into a conversation about it, we'd be more than happy to do that. I mean, without trying to sell something to somebody, we we we're we're generally interested in in raising the level of awareness of premium loyalty and and what we believe it does and can do for a brand and and its consumers. Um, secondarily, uh, is even if I haven't done a great job of explaining it understand this that that there are there is a way to a better way uh to deliver a loyalty program uh and it doesn't have to be all or nothing in premium or uh, a premium program but to deliver a, a tier or deliver something that is um that is you know uh that is better enhanced evolve from a traditional free program that offers better benefits and and, and experiences that consumers are desiring and of course and, and are willing to invest in and it's, you can always try it out you can always figure it out but usually uh once our clients go down that path they're, they're kind of all in well that's great again uh, thank you for the, the talking through the survey with us uh for those who have questions for Carlos and his team, uh, you can either get them to us. I think Carlos showed a slide that you can reach out to him. We'd love to take him. We'll get him to Carlos and get some responses. As mentioned, we have a few questions you can get to today. Um, a very interesting topic. I definitely think it's uh, the right time. A unique sense of engagement and you know, kind of now small is the, the new black, right? So they want kind of a smaller group that they can really have that unique engagement with. And I think your platform enables that. The study I think was very impactful. I think, as I mentioned earlier, the flexibility your system offers in regard to to being able to configure uh, programs and, and reward structures, I think is very unique. And uh, if you can get something up by the holidays, I think there are going to be a lot of people interested. So that's great to hear. Well, cool. Well, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate what you've done uh, to put this together today and all that Loyalty360 does uh, for the industry to keep loyalty marketing, you know, keep it at top of mind and help brands and, and service providers like us kind of navigate our way through it. So thanks a lot for what you do. Well, thanks everyone for attending. Uh, as mentioned, we will have this on the website uh, and we'll be sending a link to those. A couple people that asked to send the link uh, to the slides, we'll be sending that out a little bit later today. And thanks again for everyone attending. Adios peeps. <laughs>